Welcome to This Week with Lordship Community Church. I'm the Reverend Jeff Lukens, and I'm the pastor here. This week, we offer you a podcast in our series, What's Next, O God? Tending the New Creation. We worship live online each Sunday morning at thelordshipchurch.org slash live. Here's this week's scripture and message. Psalms. I cry out to you from the depths, Lord, my Lord. Listen to my voice. Let your ears pay close attention to my request for mercy. If you kept track of sins, Lord, my Lord, who would stand a chance? For forgiveness is what you, that's, if forgiveness is with you, that's why you are honored. I hope, Lord, my whole being hopes, and I wait for God's promise. My whole being waits for my Lord, more than the night watch waits for morning. Yes, more than the night watch waits for morning. Israel, wait for the Lord, because faithful love is with the Lord, because great redemption is with our God. He is the one who will redeem Israel from all its sin. And from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying, each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. Instead, they should go to work using their hands to do good so that they will have something to share with whoever is in need. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needing for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You are sealed by him for the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander, along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other in the same way God forgave you in Christ. Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. He was was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. Would you pray with me? Dear God, you know the words I will say before I say them. You know the thoughts of our hearts before we think them. And you know the impact of this service on the lives of your people before it even takes place. Bless my words, bless our hearts, and bless your people. Amen. So, this past week, August 8th, 
marks the two-year anniversary of my move to Connecticut. Um, and it has been an absolutely wonderful experience on the whole. Really loved the Northeast. Um, but after a month after we had moved in, I began to feel unwell. I would walk up this hill to go to class and be completely winded for an hour or two hours after the fact, which felt odd. I was 23. I didn't have any underlying health conditions. Um, I was tired all of the time, and I began to have stomach pains. I thought it was just the move, just living out of my home state of Missouri for the first time, just the beginnings of graduate school. Everyone experiences this, right? It's just stress. Uh, but in mid-October, my spouse and I took a trip down to New York City, and I barely made it through the day. So, after that, he convinced me to see a doctor. And now I'll cut to the chase. I'm fine now, um, as it turns out. Uh, the doctor did her work well and quickly diagnosed the issue. Um, I have a thyroid disorder, just a thyroid condition. It's no big deal. Um, it started acting up right after we had moved. And thankfully, it's all under control now. It's not life-threatening or life-diminishing. I can live more or less the same as I did before, as long as I remember to treat the underlying cause. But for two weeks during that time, the doctors didn't know if there was anything more serious going on. And in fact, they were worried there was something more serious going on. They asked me if I had come into contact with tuberculosis. I said, no. <laughs> And they wanted to do some blood work to rule out cancer. And I asked, it's not that serious, right? And the doctor responded, I'm not willing to rule that out yet. And so for those two weeks, I was in a dark, dark pit with no light. I felt like I was drowning. And when I cried out, no one could help me, or comfort me, or come to my aid. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one in this room or online to have experienced darkness like this. Maybe it was a diagnosis you hoped you would never hear. Maybe it was the loss of a job. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one or a hope deferred or denied. Maybe it was a system full of injustice, an economy that doesn't work the way that it should, or people who can't take care of their own. Maybe the pit you got lost in was an addiction or abuse or neglect. Maybe it was racism or sexism or homophobia. It could have been something that you did to yourself, something done to a loved one, something done against yourself, or something brought on to the whole of society. And whatever it is, sometimes we find ourselves in a pit so dark, we can't even see the sky, let alone a way out. If it were up to us alone, 
we would probably never get out of the pit. See, we each have our own that we're stuck in, and as much as we may like to help others climb out of theirs, we can't even climb out of our own. And we may ask for help or pray for divine intervention, but we know that we can dig our holes even deeper all by ourselves, <laughs> all on our own. And this is a dark feeling. It is. Um, and it's kind of strange to talk about in the pulpit, but this is not a strange topic for the Bible, and especially not a strange topic for the Psalms. The psalmist knows sadness and grief well. And in fact, the psalm we read today, the psalmist cries out to the Lord, cries out, begging for attention and mercy. They know that on their own, they are stuck deep in their own despair. They know that if the Lord kept track of their own mistakes and shortcomings, their sins against others and against God, that they would be stuck in this pit forever. When Jesus was placed in a borrowed tomb, his followers certainly felt that way. We know that many of his followers were scattered, and some of the 12 disciples had even gone back to their old way of life. We know that several went back to their trade as fishermen. If Jesus were there to see how they had abandoned him and his teachings, which one of them would stand a chance? We also know that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, three women who followed Jesus, came back to the tomb three days later to anoint his body with spices. You see, these followers of Jesus had found themselves in the deepest depths imaginable, the death of their Savior and Messiah, the promised one who was supposed to be God with us. How do you comfort someone in that situation? What do you say when someone has lost a job or a loved one? What do you do when someone's lost their home or a dear friend? What do you do when the very hope of salvation in your world is suddenly snuffed out, gone? We don't know how the disciples felt in this situation, and I can't even imagine. But I know that when I was in my darkest days, just a couple of years ago, I wept. I tried as hard as I could, and still, I couldn't get out of my grief. It was something I lived in. I couldn't turn from my circumstances and wait for the morning. I couldn't even see the sky from the pit that I had fallen into. I couldn't. And still, the psalmist does something remarkable. Hope against hope breath against breath, the psalmist in their writing turns. Forgiveness is with the Lord. That is why God is honored. You see, 
we can get locked in and dwell in the depths. We can mess up, contribute to injustice, hurt our neighbors and ourselves. We can get caught in depression or anxiety through no fault of our own or suffering and pain. And yet, God does not condemn. God forgives. And not only that. The psalmist goes on to explain, I hope, Lord, my whole being hopes, and I wait for your promise. My whole being waits for my Lord more than the night watch waits for the morning. Yes, even though I can see nothing in this pitch blackness, I will strain my eyes, fight off exhaustion, and wait for you. Wait for the Lord, because faithful love is with the Lord, because great redemption is with our God. God doesn't leave us in the pit. God doesn't stand at the top and shout down, no, it's okay, I forgive you. He doesn't leave us down there, no. The psalmist says that he redeems us. And in this context, when I hear that word, I think restore. God restores us. God reaches down into the pit, pulls us out, and restores us. Now, I am not going to stand in front of you today, not even fresh out of seminary, still wide-eyed at 24, telling you that God will redeem all of your suffering in a way that makes sense. I can't tell you that God will lift you up out of this pit in a time that is convenient for you or in a way that you will understand. And I don't want to give that message today because sometimes things aren't right. Things don't feel right to us. Sometimes God doesn't fix it in ways that we would hope for or expect. But I do know that God will someday take us out of the pit. God will take us out of the pit because at one point, God himself was in the pit. You see, it wasn't just Jesus' followers or even the 12 disciples who went down into the pit and couldn't see their way out the day Jesus was crucified. No. I believe that even Jesus, God in the flesh, also found himself in the pit that day. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, right before his trial and crucifixion, Jesus takes his disciples up into the Garden of Gethsemane and tells Peter, James, and John, I am deeply grieved, even to death. He then goes and prays to the Father, asking three separate times for the cup of suffering to pass from him, if it would only be in God's will. But it wasn't. Jesus remained in that pit. He was not restored in that moment. And later, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, 
Jesus dies. Jesus, Savior in the world, died in that pit of despair, having felt forsaken by the Father. God didn't fix Jesus' situation in the way that he had hoped for. God lifting himself up out of the pit looked more like a burial than it did any type of restoration. And yet, we can't deny that three days later, there was a resurrection. Dear church, I tell you this not to make light of our own pain and suffering, but rather to bring us comfort and hope. God has endured and suffered just like we have. God has been down in that pit. And this morning, I invite you to wait for the Lord because faithful love and great redemption is with our God. He is the one who will restore us, who will set us down again on solid ground so that we can turn to face the morning. And God will not leave us in deep despair because God has been there with us and he will bring us out. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. And you can visit us at www.thelordshipchurch.org where you can find a link to make a donation towards our ministries. Thank you, and God bless.